0: hello and welcome to another episode of coffee and comics I am Todd a Taylor Trask how's it going Taylor
1: oh it's a beautiful Sunday morning and we're hey we're doing this in the morning again finally we can actually do this the proper way um, my schedule is not ridiculous anymore at least for the next little while so cool. see I've got a I've got an actual coffee made in the morning ready to go and good coffee this time well tell me about it well Todd I and, and as if you've listened to the past few episodes you know I've been sort of Eking through leftovers, and so this is like the first. I, I decided yesterday. I'm like, I can't. Like, I need to go back to good coffee again. So I went down to one of my favorite little roasters here in Colorado Springs. It's called Switchback. Google them. Uh, Google Switchback Coffee Roasters. Uh, it's actually the sh- there's a really cool shop there, a coffee shop that I sometimes work out of. But the roastery is right next door, and I picked up the Ethiopia blend. And it is the light coffee. And I've, it's been a while since I've had some light beans. But they say on the package, the flavor notes are honeysuckle, pink lemonade, and peach tea. I don't know where they get the pink lemonade from. I sort of taste the honeysuckle. But overall, it's just—it's—it's it's a wonderfully sort of light and berry-ish kind of roast. Like it's the kind that really works well in an AeroPress, but also equally well in, a, in an espresso machine. So I've been, this is my second cup in my fancy little mug and i uh, press the sucker and it's it's lovely it's lovely todd what
0: excellent i uh went back to uh my local roasters keen coffee or it's uh, some people say it's keon coffee or key. keon yeah it's k e a n it's mm-hmm. here in orange county and uh keen
1: is probably the more perfect
0: it's got a little uh, it's got a little uh, accent over the e i believe that's <laughs> the right one i don't know i just we just call it an accent um and uh, anyway, I got the uh, Costa Rican roast, which is, uh, uh, co- uh, I believe it had notes of cocoa and something like tropical fruit or <laughs> like a citrus thing. I don't even remember. And it doesn't say it on the package. Uh, but I've I've just, this is one of those where I have not mastered getting my formula right here. Um, I've been thinking about it this week though. Like I, I don't put cream in my coffee. I put milk um, because cream generally tends to be too sweet. Mm. Uh, but I have with this one specifically, I've kind of wondered like, how am I, you know, how do I need to approach it? Cause it's, uh, I don't know. It's like chemistry we talk about where maybe this one's a little bit too rich. It's kind of a, um, I mean, it says light to medium. I, I would say it's, it's a definite medium for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I haven't gotten the balance yet, right yet, but you can tell it, the, the, uh, the coffee is of course delicious on its own. If you're a coffee drinker. But as we all know, I'm a coffee philistine. <laughs> I have to have to turn it like almost into a soft drink, but not quite. Like so uh, fair yeah. enough. I, I think what did I get last time? I got the um oh rats. What was the other roast I got? I got the Kenyan roast the last time from Kean, Keon and uh, Keen. And uh, I, I think that one is more my taste. So uh. the, the Costa Rican I'm enjoying, but it's it's not doing everything for me that
1: one thing ones. I've noticed that I've been meaning to mention is that, uh, if you ever do an AeroPress and you live at a higher altitude, as I do, you really got to get that water hot. Um, oh. and there's only, you know, the water will only boil so hot. So I kind of almost have to leave the, the kettle on the stove a little longer. And I've had to figure that out sort of the hard way. Cause if you don't do that and you pour it in, it's it for whatever reason, it's, it just really feels flat and bitter. So you got to get that water really hot at a higher altitude and just let it sit there for a while. And then immediately, um, you know, if you're doing an AeroPress, especially immediately slow pour, slow stir, and it gets, this particular uh, r- grind roast has a really, really frothy kind of look to it mm-hmm. as well when you get in that AeroPress. So it's, that's, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, this is, finally, it's been two months since I've had like really good coffee that I prepared myself, which is, <laughs> you kind of, you forget like, wow, this is a, this is an essential human, human need. We need to make our own like really good coffee from time to time. So I'm going to be on this roll for a while.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there, I, um, but that is uh, only, ha- not even not even half time-wise, but that's only half of the name of our show. That's right. Uh, what is the other half of our show, Taylor?
1: <laughs> well, I taught it is comics. We, uh, of course, talk about a comedian every week. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> this, this week, it's Louis C.K., so let's, no, no, it's, no, we talk about, we talk about our favorite uh, comic books, graphic novels, and related uh related art every week. Sometimes we even throw a movie or two in there if it makes sense and uh, really just dive into the details. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, want to know, you know, what's the next cool indie book? What's the next, you know, Marvel series I should be reading? What's the next, you know, really off the wall pick? And this is think about this as like reading Rainbow for for comic books. That's kind of how we approach it. You know, we're the we're the three kids at the end when Lavar You know, Lavar goes. <laughs> you don't have to take my word for it. And it cuts to like that's us. And we're yes. drinking coffee, and we we talk for a lot longer than you know thirty <laughs> seconds about a book.
0: That's not confusing at all, right? Right, and we so we pick books that uh, we do not tell the other which book we have read uh, that week. Um, and sometimes we we sync up on things that we've both read. Uh, which will be the case today, I'm certain. Um, But you know what I was thinking about this morning as I was kind of putting everything together to get ready for the show was, uh, so I think we're coming up on three years of making podcasts. Wow. Uh, and we've definitely, you know, we've tried, we started out as the Todd and Taylor show, uh, which if you subscribe to that, this is still that show. Um, although you can search for Coffee and Comics now, that is, that's the title of our show. Yeah, um, we fixed that. So hopefully yes. it'll be easy for folks to find this. So if you're <laughs> exactly. if you're
1: referring the show to a friend, just tell them to search for Coffee and Comics on, you know, iTunes, on Google Play, on Pocket Casts. We're, we were finally in Stitcher, obviously too. We're finally, I think it took us a little while to update that meta information, but that should make yeah. it
0: easier. And I think we've, we've hit on this great format because we, you know, we knew sort of from the beginning, we tried to do what a lot of other podcasts do and sort of summarize the week and what's coming up and what, you know, like here's pop culture news and comic book news. And it was, anyway, I have really enjoyed this format of Coffee and Comics. And one thing that's great about it is I enjoy going back through the episodes because I can just pick like, oh yeah, what did we say about that book? And yeah in a lot of times I have to do that to refresh my memory for the show we're about to record. So, but in doing so, I stumble across these conversations we've had about stuff. And I just, that to me is the value in doing it this way. So I hope other people listening, you know, find that to be a value and think that's cool. Um, So uh, towards that end, I have picked a book. I know you have read. Mm, Okay. Um, Because, Uh, Back in episode number forty-seven, you talked about "I Hate Fairyland" by Scotty Young, yeah, and you talked about Volume One specifically. Mm -hmm. And I, this was a a a fun day. We had tried to we were not tried. We had recorded two episodes in a row, and I had picked a Scotty Young book for the episode that we were recording right after that one. So as you were talking about it, I was so excited because I was going, "Oh, this is awesome!" Because I'm going to talk about Scotty Young in our next episode. Um, so I immediately, like we finished recording. I went out and bought, I hate fairyland volume one and two. (laughs) Hmm. Um, actually I think I just got one, read it, loved it, got two. So that's what I'm going to talk about today is volume two, which is called fluff my life. Um, (laughs) And I, I, part of picking that for today was knowing, was thinking about that, how this coffee and comics uh, format is working for us and thinking, oh, now we're going to have that cool experience of, uh, people who listen being able to check back on shows and see which volume of what we did, you know, it's not always going to be volume ones. So right. if you have read volume one of, I hate fairyland, granted, I'm going to do this as well as I can with no spoilers for it or anything. I don't, I don't think we have to spoil it to talk about it. Um, but you could skip about halfway through the show and listen to Taylor's pick and then come back when you've read volume two, or if you just want a preview of a volume two or a review of it, Here it is. So (laughs) yeah. um, Correct me if I'm wrong. You have read volume two, right?
1: Yes. I am. uh, I'm in the tank for this series. So I'm, uh, I'm, I've been following it pretty closely and, and I, I want, it's kind of like I mentioned in previous episodes, there are some series where I have to read it uh, all the way through. Like um, they're not like us. I think I have to, I have to wait until it's all in one volume. This is kind of the same thing. I I really don't like individual issues. of I hate fairyland,
0: I kind of want to,
1: Read it in one big volume because it feels like a storybook.
0: Yeah, I can confirm that you said that in episode number 47 as well. (laughs) You have been consistent in this opinion.
1: I feel like like you're the omnibus man of of (laughs) comedy (laughs) comics. Like, yes, we, we have independent verification that you said on
0: this day that you like I Hate Fairyland in one volume. Well, like I'm saying, I, you know, what I picked it, I went back and listened to that episode and I did exactly what I'm telling listeners to do. I, I had the first pick of that episode, so I jumped about halfway through the podcast to hear what Taylor and I talked about for I hate fairyland. And I landed somewhere at the end of our conversation about paper girls. Mm. And I just listened to it because I was like, Oh, this is really interesting now in retrospect to go back and listen to how we were talking about paper girls and how that led into the conversation on I hate fairyland. And because these are very, very different series, you know, and, and you made two big points. One was what you just said, which was, um, I hate Fairyland. It does come out in single issues, but it is great in the trades. And although there is an there is an arc, an ish kind of arc in the first volume, um, it's definitely the other point you made was that it's easy to jump in and out of. You know, yeah. this is not something where uh, what I was saying with like Paper Girls, there were sometimes these cliffhangers where you're sort of left like, oh no, I need the next volume now. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and fairyland's not like that. Like it is uh, very much like you described at the, it is a comic book equivalent of an adult swim kind of cartoon. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let's I give a quick recap, which is this little girl named Gertrude is sucked through this portal in volume one and lands in a fairy tale land called fairyland. Uh, it's a very cartoonish. They don't use any, um, they don't use any fairy tale properties that someone else may own. So, you know, there's a, there's a queen named Claudia and there are various uh, monsters and other races of people and uh, creatures and things like that. But it is not, you know, it's, this is not like, Snow White doesn't show up or anything like that, but, you know. No,
1: but they're based lo- kind of loosely on archetypes right. that you do know from Grimm, or you know, like there's a dragon and there's a knight in shining armor, yeah, exactly. and you know, like that kind of stuff, and witches and you know, fairy folk running around.
0: Yeah, yeah. so she lands in fairyland, um, and that, as you pointed out in episode number forty-seven of Coffee and Comics, um, that that story takes about four pages. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then, uh, time skips ahead and we realize Gertrude or Gert has been trapped in fairyland for 30 years. So she has gone from being like a 10 year old girl to almost a 40 year old woman, but her appearance hasn't changed. She still looks like a little girl, but she has just been trapped in this basic hellscape of fairy tales for 40 years. Um, and she is a you know she is uh she's upset by this like she's crabby you know she is a has a very negative attitude. <laughs> she's
1: a chain smoker. She's just yeah yeah, just and, and everyone and around her course, is like
0: you know it's all colorful and happy and you know fairy tale and stuff, and uh, she is just not happy with that. So volume one has a lot to do with her pursuing this key that she has been told that will open the, I can't remember what they call it, the portal or the gate or whatever that gets her back to her world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you said, uh, volume one wraps up in it. Like there's a very, a very definitive end to that story. So it's very easy to just grab volume one, read it, enjoy it. And when it ends, think that was funny. Uh, you know, that, that was, <laughs> that was, that was a fun adventure. I don't need to go any farther or I can, you know, pick it up wherever you want. Um, So here's the slight spoiler, which I don't think will spoil anything, but at the end of volume one, Gertrude somewhat accidentally, I believe kills the queen of fairyland. (laughs) And according to the bylaws of fairyland, she becomes the queen. Mm -hmm. So I definitely went into, um, fairyland volume two thinking now I'm going to get a volume of her being the queen and, you know, wreaking havoc over fairyland,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: um, and sort of enjoying her position, and that is sure enough. Like it starts out, there's this very, um, uh, I mean, it is still in Scotty Young's style of drawing, which is which is very cartoony and and silly and fun. But all of a sudden, the Gertrude we knew as the little girl is is a grown-up queen, and she mm-hmm. is running this, you know, overseeing this tournament, and um, where this one little. F- a fuzzy creature uh, kills this giant scary looking creature and you know and you're 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 momentarily like wow that you know this is things have changed you know the circumstances have changed it turns out that was a dream and that being queen is filled with endless paperwork and she <laughs> <laughs> hates it so it I, you know on one hand i commend it for pulling the rug out from under me mm-hmm. because i really did expect like i you know and i'm sorry for that spoiler that that just told you it was a dream, but, um,
1: well, it's kind of like, it, it kind of mirrors the beginning of volume one where it's like, she's in fairyland, she's on a quest. So it's kind of like that sort of escapism where it's like, this is what she would be like. And you're thinking, oh, good. Yeah. But it's exactly, it it was really funny and subversive at the same time.
0: And I, yeah, that, no, that's the perfect way of saying it. And I think that's what Scotty young is doing with, with all of this is that he's, he's always pulling the rug out from under the fairy tale, you know? So, um, this one definitely, it, that was uh, you know, one issue is is um, as in one single issue of the comic, <laughs> which is just one chapter in this, starts with her in this uh, fantasized version of being queen um, where she, you know, it, it gets knocked back to reality uh, and then very quickly in a way that uh, I don't think I need to, to spoil at all, uh, is no longer the queen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um and you know again I sort of anticipated oh now they're going to hunt her. Mm-hmm. You know now something that, but um it doesn't it doesn't really go that way. It it sort of puts her back in that same spot and the rest of volume 2 uh it, she's she's back on a similar uh, you know the path of adventure. Um, Larry, her little Jiminy cricket, who is, is don't know what we came down on, what he is like a fly or a, you know, he's some little buzzing flying insect that chain smokes. And he is just at this point, like he was kind of game for a while. Like he was definitely bored. You know, he'd been following around us for 30 years. He'd been assigned to be her, her, uh, whatever her guide to fairyland. Um, but he is at this point really he's just, he'd be happy if she would just die and release him from this contract. You know, he's just <laughs> praying for sweet death. He's so jaded. He's so yeah, jaded. Exactly. So he, um but they set off again. There is a, uh, a- another visitor from her world that ends up in fairyland. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a bit about her treatment of him. Uh, and how, you know, how she's going to exploit him to try to g- take this new, she's found this new solution, this new sort of portal that gets her back. And then that fails. And then, you know, so it's, we're, <clears throat> we're back on this in the same familiar territory, but it's a different quest. And then I just found it, you know, I don't have, I won't spoil the end, but the, there's a, re- a really funny device at the end where we it, it makes it clear that like Gertrude is almost stuck in her own groundhog day, you yeah, know, of yeah. she's, <laughs> she's sort of incapable, at least as volume two wraps up of making the right choice and choices that will free her from fairyland, you know,
1: even when she knows, even when she knows definitively what choices will be the right ones. It's like, she can't do it.
0: Right. She Physically, cannot help herself, but yeah, be terrible. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, you also made a comment in, uh, in episode 47, where you, you definitely came down on the side of get this as a physical comic book. Don't get this as digital because, and one of the things you said along those lines was, um, you'll just want to open it up and just look at the art. Like you don't even have to read it because the, you know, the, the way that he's drawn the characters and their expressions and like the action of a panel, uh, is compelling you know that's like what you want to look at and i totally agree and i am very happy to have one and two like i'm also very happy that i went back and listened to that episode that we had done previously because after i read this i felt like wow really you know what's what 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 do i hook onto in this story like do i go Mm -hmm. pick up volume three do i you know what what happens and i listened to that episode of us talking about it and thought no i'm i'm in exactly the right place you know it was Mm -hmm. just enjoyable enough I really love the art. I love flipping through it and just looking at the uh, the creatures that he draws and the the way he draws action scenes is is so fun um and the coloring is out like just off the wall like oh, it's crazy. It's,
1: it's like every page is like a candy store come to life, yeah, you know, it's just amazing and the other thing I like i may, I may have mentioned this in the other episode, but the other thing I love about it, I'm kind of looking through my my volume as I'm talking to you too. Is that every character is drawn in such a way that you can almost instantly hear what their voice sounds like, and it's like <laughs> I love when that happens. Where you're like, you don't even have to like think up a voice. It's like it's just it's apparent what Gertrude's voice is, what Larry's voice is, what you know the yeah. you know what Claudia's voice is. It's just you can you can hear all that very clearly in your head because he, he he's just it's so vibrant and so um, everything is so intentional that it just you can't help but but know kind of where he's headed with this.
0: Yeah, uh, and. That that put me. All I was going to say was that put me in exactly the right place. Like I don't have to analyze it any any farther than that. We had a a a big portion of our uh, conversation in in that episode, and so I guess we also continued our discussion of Scotty Young in episode forty eight, where I talked about Little Marvel, which Mm. done where he sort of reimagines the Marvel superheroes in this sort of childlike state. He draws them as as children, Um, but it's it's full of in jokes really for adult Marvel fans, you know, it's not. Um, so we, we talked a lot about, you know, having that one single person that's writer and illustrator. Yeah. And one of the points you made was there are a lot of panels in fairyland where you can tell he had, he, the drawing of this was the story, you know, yeah, and, and, in, yeah. and sort of the uh, dialogue or the narrative came second to how cool he could make this look. And that, was especially true for me in volume two, you know, like having that in mind that, that definitely stood out like, yeah, I don't want to say the, you know, it, it's just interesting. It's not that the writing is bad. It's that the, the art is definitely more than the writing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's a, there's one great issue in here. One chapter where, uh <laughs> the whole thing is is not, I mean, it's not exactly a parody. It's just their, his take on a video game. So he Mm -hmm. draws the whole thing. Like it's a street fighter cartoon.
1: Like it's anime. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, as much as I love his style of art, like I thought it was really neat to jump into that style and then Mm -hmm. jump back out. Mm -hmm. And especially the jumping out, like that was actually where I was like, Oh wow. That was, you know, I, I was kind of like, D- taken, you know, like I sort of had to suspend my disbelief of suspending my disbelief. Like I'd been reading these other pages and sort of transported to, Oh, now we look like now it looks like anime. And then it was back to where it used to be. And it, it was just an interesting return. So I yeah. would like to see him do more of that. Like where he picks certain genres of uh, children's stories or fairy tales and, you know, warps them and takes them apart like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is not, there's nothing. I don't want to get, give the impression to any, one who hasn't read this, that it's somehow like a super clever deconstruction of, um, you know, there's not, what what am I, what do I want to say? There's not like, well, it reminds me a lot of level there to it. It's really a visual deconstruction.
1: It reminds me a lot of how Wreck-It Ralph uh plays with the john like wreck it ralph is a great like he goes into other games so like he he has a character will kind of take on the characteristics of like what those games have right um but it was it's not yeah it's not meant to be a com like you know the you know the intellectual commentary on this genre It's it's just showing you the fun and and what's really interesting is that now that you've read this volume they did a really cool image did a really cool thing for new comic book day where it's um uh, I hate Fairyland. A, a one-shot. I hate Image. So it's Gertrude going through all of the Image comic characters. Um, some, you know, you know, like Savage Dragon or like East of West people or like you know it, it, the Postal, the Postal Gang. She's going through all those different books as like a little mini side story. So you get to see her interacting with all those Image characters too. So it's just kind of fun to see, you know, in Fairyland, kind of anything is possible. It's you know, it's it's the world of imagination. It's it's like it's like Fantasia and the Neverending Story, just more you know, more cartoony and vivid and everything too. So it's kind of fun to see how she interacts with all these different, um, you know, characters and things that are all part of, you know, fairyland is as long as you have the license for it, you can show anything in fairyland.
0: Yeah. And I also, um, uh, you know, I also felt like there's a uh, Scotty did a really good job in volume two of branching out to like you, you had mentioned in volume one that it's this, you get the sense of, scale and you were specifically talking about like literal scale of the characters. You know, if a, if a character is supposed to be 10 stories tall, Mm -hmm. you realize that character is 10 stories tall compared to Gertrude. And -hmm. that's definitely true. And what I took away from that comment in reading this as well was that the, you get a sense of the scale of the world. Like she Mm -hmm. is in another whole earth yeah, and there are tons of it. Like I, I just felt in, I think he did this in volume one. It just wasn't as it didn't stand out as much to me because I was much more interested in this crazy story that was going on. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when when she meets the other people of the different lands or like how the, you know, how the different race of creatures looks or talks or lives or whatever, there's um, it, it, that itself is kind of a twist on things like Lord of the Rings or, you mm-hmm. know, just any typical fantasy story where every realm, you know, has its own, (laughs) you know, way of, of building things and the creatures look their certain way. Um, so that was very cool. Yeah. Yeah, So that I I can't, um, I just like this book. I have no great intellectual summary of it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I, and I, I stick with you on what you said, you know, pick up a volume we've described the plot to you. I don't think you need to go in order of volumes one, two, three, whatever, just i think you can jump in anywhere
1: and if you like i would say too if you're if you're jones in for another season of rick and morty and you can't wait or if you <laughs> just want another really good sort of subversive animated kind of really fun crazy thing this is definitely for you um it's i, I mentioned on that last episode it's the best it's the best uh a, you know cartoon adult swim hasn't done yet and i actually I, i'm glad it's not a cartoon because it it really needs to live in this format um, not to say if they ever did animate it, it wouldn't be interesting. But I like that it it's, it seems really custom tailored to the graphic format, the printed graphic format. And I'll yeah. just throw one extra uh, plug in for the hardcover book one, which consolidates volume one and volume two trade paperbacks, along with a bunch of little you know DVD extras. It's, I'm holding that right now. I actually traded in my volumes one and two trade uh, my paperbacks for this because it feels more like even more like a storybook like you know it's like you, you put this on your shelf it just looks great um i will i will point yeah. out too if not this is this is for adults you can give it to a kid but just be you know there's some stuff in there that's there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of you know sweary words and things so just be careful if you're thinking oh i'm gonna give this to my kid yeah you can, it's not but for
0: just, kids <laughs> yeah probably not the best idea just yet yeah i mean she Slaughters a lot of people with a giant battle axe. <laughs> like, let's yeah. make it like, I mean, it's that's what makes it fun for adults. Is yeah, that, you yeah. know, she is, yeah, it's there's not an intellectual deconstruction of fairy tales. There's a just literal butchery of them.
1: <laughs> it's like it is bad shit in the best way possible. Like, that's, yeah. You know.
0: Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think I would want to see this animated because I think some of the crazy details of the drawings would be lost. And that, yeah, totally. And, and the, the, Details are really what makes it like just the expressions on, you know, the characters faces. That's just, that's what I, I really connect with. You know, I wouldn't want to see this in a simplified Rick and Morty version. I, but along those lines, though, comparing it to adult swim stuff makes me think I would actually, because I think this sets out, you know, in volume one as a quest for her to get back to her world. Mm-hmm. Um, We're on that sort of normal image uh, comics kind of series of thinking that each trade is going to be sort of a a season of a show kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it needs to work that way. And I I don't know where it is now, but it would be great if, you know, a trade paperback were really five totally crazy adventures Mm. that don't necessarily need to connect to each other. We already get the premise, you know, she's a 40-year-old woman in a child's body in a fairy tale (laughs) world, and she hates it yeah we don't she doesn't yeah. need to be on a quest to get back home she could just go cause melee everywhere that would yeah be yeah amazing. well especially
1: because it's kind of clear like it's more and more obvious that she's never going to get back home yeah. i think it's yeah. kind of like kind of like quantum leap where it's just like well while that's a nice thought i think it's she just kind of she's making it impossible to do so by her own right. actions. so it's like what you know what other craziness is she gonna is all of fairyland gonna go up and smoke before she's done
0: you know it almost literally does. So yeah, yeah that's volume two of Fairland. I want to hear what you've picked for this week. Well, I have, it's
1: interesting. I didn't intend for this one, but uh, I wanted to dev- delve into, uh, I have a free trial, of the comiXology unlimited Ooh. subscription. And um, I wanted to delve into a couple books there. And and with uh, infinity war coming out in a few weeks, I was thinking about like where, you know, what else can get me in the mood for that movie? Where else has the black order appeared? And I kind of went down that rabbit hole of looking at all the things that Jonathan Hickman has written um, and the Marvel side of things. And the one that everybody kind of kept coming back to to satisfy all those check marks was New Avengers, Volume 1, Everything Dies. So, yeah, yeah, New Avengers, Volume 1, Everything Dies. It is uh, available for Comic uh, uh, Comixology Unlimited. If you have that, just download it. Vi- uh, grab both Volumes 1 and Volume 2. Volume 3, you got to pay for it like a normal person. So, I just grabbed those two. I'll talk about Volume One specifically, but it's written by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, last week, I did a Jonathan Hickman pick, so of course, he's my he's my boy. Hey,
0: he's by- on the cover of uh, Fairyland Volume Two. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. Scotty Young is a master cartoonist and this book is a masterpiece, Jonathan Hickman.
1: I like I like thinking that all these image cre- heavy hitter creators like all kind of admire each other's work. That just makes me love image even more. Because they're all, I mean, it's 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 the stable of if image is where you want to go if you've got a strong idea and a strong team and you can crank these things out. Um it's just it's really fun to see that. But it's written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Steve Epting, and the covers are usually by Steve Epting. And volume one. Uh, it's actually t- 2013, so it's been a little while, but it collects uh, issues one through six. And I'll just read the log line of the, s- the short summary. I'll delve into the details. It says, to prevent the collision of our universe with another, the Illuminati must reassemble now. It's the, <laughs> uh, it's the most powerful and brilliant team in the Marvel Universe. It cons- uh, the Illuminati consists of the Black Panther, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, and uh, Namor, and then eventually Beast from the X-Men. And they uh, unite against or they unite against an infinite legion of parallel realities armed with the six infinity stones. The Illuminati gathered a plan for the death of everything. So that's that's a little bit confusing. Um, Essentially, what it is, is it's a, a collection of stories about the Illuminati featuring those characters. You know, if you're familiar with Marvel, you know that the Illuminati was formed as kind of a sub subgroup outside of the avengers of of, of a rotating panel, but it's usually those,, you know, it's usually Iron Man and Doctor. Strange and Black Bolt and Reed and uh, you know various others kind of come and go. But um, it's those those characters, and they're sort of meant to deal with, you know the the threats that the Avengers can't conceive of. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely familiar rather with the, you know, all the all the Illuminati stories, but I've I've you know, there's I think the uh the Planet Hulk animated um feature which came out a couple years ago starts with the Illuminati sending the Hulk out, you know, basically strapping him into a spaceship and saying, "Look, we can't have you on Earth anymore. We're going to send you to a planet where you can't hurt anybody and hopefully you can be at peace." That sets up the Planet Hulk storyline. So the Illuminati have been around for a while, but in this particular volume, it's it kicks off with um The Black Panther and some Wakandans finding this kind of weird temporal reality marker, like this sort of ancient uh, artifact near Wakanda. And they realize there's a, a portal into a parallel version of Earth where they see another Earth in the sky right above them. And everything's red and washed out and they're not sure what's going on and they see this mysterious woman kind of this woman in white uh you know scantily clad dressed in black but she's you know she's you know, white skin tone white hair she's got some some um some minions beside her and they're it looks like they're trying to actively destroy the planet above in the sky and then um t'challa sees that and he sees her detonate this a device that blows up the earth above their heads and then they're sent back you know through the portal to our reality and everything is you know the sky is blue everything's peaceful you come to find out that this woman is a black swan she is a sort of a <sighs> mysterious character that is that's kind of the harbinger of of the death of something or the death of a world not like galactus you know he's not coming but she's you know she's speaking in ancient sumerian she's talking about you know she's kind of a devotee to some ancient religion. You don't quite know what it is. So the Illuminati take her, they capture her and they throw her in their dungeon. They start to talk about like what they need to do. It becomes apparent that what her whole thing is and what's going on is that at some, at, at some point on a parallel earth, and I'm trying not to make this as confusing as it is. At some point on a parallel earth, an event happened and there's not, they don't really specify what event, but an event happened that blew up that earth and that caused a shockwave that caused that entire universe to end and it broke away from the natural timeline of how you know reality would would otherwise end um reed richards kind of does this infographic where he's like you know at some point everything all the realities collapse into each other all the universes collapse and there's an end point for everything well this event on this parallel earth disrupted all that and all the chain reactions keep creating like, you know, other uni- all these other universes to, 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 you know, to, to blow up. And it always keeps happening on earth. So earth is this nexus point where all these things are happening. And essentially what occurred every, I think maybe three or four times a month, there's this convergence event, uh, you know, a parallel earth appears next to our earth. And if they touch, it creates, you know, one more, you know, one more breakage in the universal I have to sound so convoluted <laughs> it basically creates even more havoc. So what we have to do is blow up one of the earth so they don't touch. And that's what this black swan woman was doing, but she was doing it through her own weird kind of ancient religion. And then you learn more about her backstory. You know, she was, uh, you know, she came from a, I think a parallel planet and she was one of the only survivors. She was adopted by these other black swans sort of dark angel characters that that sort of are heralds for this this coming of this of these end times so the event the the illuminati they are trying to figure out how to stop it and captain america goes you know i i know what we're eventually going to do we're eventually going to start blowing up the earths that appear above ours when they appear and i don't want any part of that we've got to solve this in a way that saves as many people as possible and he's like i don't we can't be doing this so they knock him out pretty early they're like look uh steve (laughs) (laughs) we can't have we can't have that going on. So they, they, Dr. Strange does a, does a, does a spell where they basically make him forget everything that they talked about. Cause they don't want him and his yeah. sort of morals interfering. Cause like, look, Steve, there's nothing we can do. We're going to have to is start the Marvel
0: universe in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and he it's world
0: for- <laughs> conscience speaks up and they are like, ah, we just don't even want to listen to you.
1: <laughs> well, and they, they, uh, they knock it's funny too. Cause he basically describes exactly what's going to happen. He's like, look, yeah. you guys, it's, it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to panic. And then you're going to blow up a planet and then you're going to get used to that. And they're going to keep doing it. And you're just going to lose all regard for like the lives that you're taking. And they're like, yeah, no, we're no, shh, be quiet. So they knock him out. This is by the way, after they try to use the infinity stones to reassemble the infinity gauntlet to deal with it that way. And that goes uh, and this happens early on too, so it's not necessarily spoilers. That goes horribly wrong, but it, in doing that, it sort of wakens up the attention of Thanos. It wakens up the attention of Galactus. So, like they, the Illuminati is just this—they just keep bumbling around, and they just keep literally making the worst decisions about how to handle this. <laughs> Meanwhile, Black Bolt has got some sort of like plan within a plan that he's working on, um, and you get the sense that there are all these other sort of side stories, which there are because. The way, this, the way that this new Avengers kind of arc is going on, it incorporates a lot of other sort of side issues and stories and things. So it really is one of those things like when, what DC does where you kind of almost have to read all the other tangential stories to get the complete picture because you know characters will leave and come back and they'll reference things that you're like, well, clearly that was another series of issues that I'm not seeing. Um, but I didn't feel that removed. I think you can still just get new Avengers volume one and volume two and so on and feel like this. I mean, this story does still feel pretty compact, but you do get a sense that you're missing a lot of other stuff. They, uh, this takes us to the end of volume one where there's a big cliffhanger kind of ending volume two picks up right after that and keeps, keeps going. And you realize that, that there, it's interesting. Hickman, Hickman incorporates a lot of things that I see pop up in his, his, um, creator own series. There's a lot of themes and um, even kind of character archetypes that you know. I I find it interesting that the um, the black swan uh, woman, the character that they find in the beginning, she's white skinned and white haired, and that is a character mm. that pops up both in the Dying of the Dead and it also pops up up you know, pretty heavily in um, Black Monday Murders, which we I reviewed last week. Well, so, like, in
0: East of West, um, yeah, we have uh, sort of the opposite of that, where there's isn't there a literal. I mean, the cowboy is is totally white. White clothing, you know. Yeah, death himself. Yeah,
1: death Uh, himself is uh, is a gunslinger, but he's white. With white, so it's like it seems to be a thing that that Jonathan Hickman likes playing with. I don't. I'm not supposing that he's doing some kind of Stephen King. You know, like he's going to make it all connect together, Dark Tower style. He might, (laughs) but right now, I just think it's a just a a thing he likes to include. which is interesting. It's, it's just kind of fascinating to think through that. And this, especially when you see the backstory of the black swan, like she's part of a group of people that are all sort of, it's not like she's the, the lone albino, like sort of outcast. She is all her, all her people look like her. So it's interesting that they, he kind of incorporated that. It's, it's, it gets a little, you know, it, it gets a little convoluted at some point, uh, the black order shows up and there's like a whole thing with that. There's a whole lot of tension between Namor and um, T'Challa yeah, you know, there you get a lot of the Wakanda versus Atlantis sort of side story, it, it, which is interesting because it kind of keeps you. It keeps coming back to Reed Richards seems to be the only one truly interested in like, you know, figuring out like how we stop the end of all reality and all these other sort of things are distractions. And they they say that you know throughout the book they're like this is all just a big distraction. And then you'll come back to you know the the matter at hand, which is how do we stop all these like alternate earths from showing up and like, you know, trying to knock into our earth. And it, you realize at some point I, I get a sense like volume three, four and beyond is going to, is going to really delve into that even further where so far the earths that they've had to blow up have been either largely unpopulated or dead already. I, we haven't cr- quite had one when they're trying to blow up an earth of, you know, populated by other Avengers who look just like them. That hasn't quite happened yet. So it's, I'm sure that's on the horizon. Otherwise, it's, you know, if you like, if you want to kind of get geared up for Infinity War, I would say this is a good, a good pick. Um, you get a lot of Jonathan Hickman's kind of you know, strengths and weaknesses all in one shot. Uh, but it is, it is infuriating to see how stupid the Illuminati can actually like this group of minds. <laughs> you're like, why, why these guys, you know, because they're, they're, they're sort of hapless. Like Reed Richards seems to be the only one who's actually competent. Um and so you just kind of get that kind of haunts the story, and you just kind of have to get, you know, either deal with that or or get past it um but yeah, new Avengers Volume one, everything dies, yeah Bailed and
0: I you know we uh, we can't even keep up with this. We are not the type of podcast that does that, but this unfortunately falls uh into Marvel's super confusing way of labeling. Things, yeah. Volume numbers, yeah. So when I was when you were uh, talking about it, I was googling it and I found it on Goodreads. Um, They have it subtitled as New Avengers Volume Three Number One because I think the thing is that New Avengers itself has been restarted three times. Oh geez, Uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's still it's still called Volume One. Everything dies. And then they just have like in parentheses, like, you know, if you're keeping track of these series, this is probably the third, Ugh, you, I, you look
1: know, for the I, one that has the cover. That's kind of an art deco, kind of cover of the silhouette of like the black Panther and Iron man. And it's got like an a in the background. It's yeah. it's look for that one because yeah, as you were talking, there was another vo- new Avengers volume one that is not this story. Um, so just look for it, look for you know, parentheses everything dies. Like, well, it's look
0: like for that, I'm pretty sure that every Thor book is just called volume one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, I've never been able to figure out what the hell they're talking about. I mean, this is just and it's Marvel's fault, like, this is a terrible numbering system.
1: Well, this is honestly like this is something to, to bring up because it's one of the big reasons I am not a big two fan, ultimately. Yeah, you know, like I will read Watchmen, I will read Dark Knight. Uh, returns. I will read, you know, some of these seminal collections because they are self-contained. They're one shots and you don't have to try to like piece together all these separate weird, you know, uh, numbering systems and titling systems. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, Oh, I, I can't, I can't do it to, to if I'm going to follow a story and then you never know when they're just going to randomly reset everything. And then like what you just read doesn't matter anyway, or it took place on a, you know, earth 10. So it's, you got to think about how it ties into this other thing. It's just, Oh, DC does a slightly better job handling that, but like, it's still annoying.
0: Oh yeah. And then they reboot it every five years or whatever. So it all just starts over. Like, uh, so with this one, um, so I usually, I'm glad you brought this into the realm of like a a a discussion specifically on the big two. Um, Usually when big two books do one of these, you know, crisis on infinite earth kind of things. Mm I, I tune out, you know, it's really hard (laughs) Like what? Um, and actually, I don't think I've ever read the original series. But what's compelling to me about the idea of DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths is that they literally tried to solve a problem, only for their comic book storytellers. Like mm. we have too many Earths, you know. <laughs> um, but I, this is a thing I worry about going into Infinity War. Actually, is that the stakes are so high?
1: Yeah.
0: That how does uh, how does any you know mortal or semi mortal uh, superhero have any solution to this you know does that was there enough of like a character you know development of these Illuminati superheroes that you were able to find a way into it that way or did you just sort of tune out and watch the big picture and and didn't really worry about the details of it kind of like
1: the uh, kind of the latter honestly because okay. at, at some point you kind of get if you the other little side stories kind of become a distraction because you're thinking uh, if this okay. is the, if if the complete destruction of all existence is what's at stake. Yeah. Those are the I stakes. Don't, I don't give a crap. What Wakanda thinks about Atlantis and their pride and like, Oh, I'm like, it doesn't, gotcha. none of this matters. And, um, and then like T'Challa himself, instead of just telling, cause at this point in the story, Shuri is queen um, mm-hmm. of Wakanda. And T'Challa has kind of moved on to be sort of like, you know, grand vizier for all intents and purposes. Like he's sort of doing his own thing. Um, there's a moment where he can clearly tell Shuri like, Hey, look, or sorry, like look, this. Here's what's going on. Here's why I'm working with Namor. Instead, he doesn't, and it creates all these other problems. And he's just like, I'm not going to talk. Like they, she even asks him point blank. She's like, Look, T'Challa, like brother, what's? Tell me what's going on. Clearly, there's all these other things you're dealing with. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. And it's like, well, wh- then you guys deserve everything that's coming to you. Like I just, it kind of feels. It's interesting because I was kind of. As I was reading this, I've also been watching season two of Lemony Snicket on, uh, on uh,
0: Netflix. <laughs> well, that was a wild card. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I bring that up only because that show is is really infuriating because you just go like none of the characters have agency and you're like, if you guys would just do this, this and this, this would all be fine. And it's it, it's obvious to everybody but you, right? right. So I kind of feel the same way here. It's just like, I, you know what? I don't give a shit if Atlantis falls or if Wakanda gets bombed at Oblivion you guys deserve that. Like, I just don't have like, which in any other arc or, or graphic novel would be like the point of the whole thing. Like, you know, we'll walk around here. You're just like, I don't care. Like the whole, like, I want to see what happens with, you know, reality's ending, right? Like what is, what is going on there? So to tie that into the movie, I, when that infinity gauntlet becomes a thing and there's, we're, we will probably talk about other infinity gauntlet stories leading into the movie in a couple of weeks. But when you talk about that, that glove that can literally do anything, It gets a little, like, I don't know, you know, once, if, assuming that they, at some point, will defeat Thanos, either sooner or later, then what, right? Like, once they do that, you know, does Galactus even matter? Does anything, it kind of falls into that Doctor Who trap, where, you know, when we just keep escalating the stakes, at some point, we can't do that anymore. Am I going to give a shit about Spider-Man, you know, saving some local woman from a burglar? Like, at that point, does that even matter?
0: Yeah, so where would you put this? So you see this as like, maybe it's a, a fun read in just getting back into the Marvel universe ahead of the movie infinity war, but it doesn't sound like it's something you're attached to. Like you're not, you're not looking up Hickman's or you said you did get volume two. I have did.
1: You, I did do volume two. Um, I, I have, have to buy volume three because volume three, four and five are not part of Conxology uh, comicsology unlimited. I might, yeah. But at this point, I kind of almost want to like look at the cliff notes and just see maybe like volume six deals with the primary story more completely. I I am not I'm not like you know busting you know, busting through the wall, waiting, you know, ready to read like the next ones all the way through. I might. I think if you're interested in sort of the infinity side of the Marvel universe, you know, you know, the stones, the gems, the characters, you know, kind of where I, I imagine this could be something the Illuminati might pop, you know, pop up in later Marvel. You know MCU uh, storylines and things, so it's interesting. Just kind of, if you want to get acquainted with them as a group, or you want a deeper dive on T'Challa and, and Doctor Strange and and read you know Reed Richards especially. Reed Richards does a lot of really fun stuff in this book, so it's it's given me another sort of look at what the Fantastic Four could be. Um, it's the Reed Richards that you know he can walk, he can base basically walk through all the realities. He's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, he's kind of like Rick um, at this point. So it's it's interesting to see that. So if anything, it's actually made me more interested just to see what, you know, I want to see all the Reed Richards, fantastic Four, you know, side stories that um, coincide with this. Cause like, what is he up to? I, you know, that's the most interesting thing to me. I really don't give a shit about all the other things going on in the Marvel universe, but you get it, you get it, you get a sampling of it. So if it's yeah. something you want to jump back into, if you're like, Hey, I just want a, a fun little story to kind of, you know, glance at the Marvel universe, see if it's something I want to delve into. This is for you. You know, you can't, it's free on Comixology Unlimited. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah it's it's i will say this i of the big two i'm consistently more a fan of dc than marvel just because yeah. i like the sort of the mythology of dc appeals to me a little bit more and it seems like they're a little bit e- they have a h- easier time solving their problems in a competent way at least more or less than marvel characters do yeah this kind of reinforces that mindset you know i just like i i appreciate what marvel's doing but i'm like oh, i'd rather read it i'd rather go back and read a green lantern story instead of another you know, volume of this.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you may be interested. I mean, judging from what I've read on good reads, Hickman moved to this title after doing a run on the fantastic four. Mm. So that, that may be of interest to you very much. So Reed Richards. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I it's a, that's a funny problem to me, you know, with the, um, uh, (laughs) any, any time you take these sort of human characters, uh, and then give them, infinite power like with the infinity stones it just mm-hmm. feels uh, like w- you've already lost the plot you know the yeah. whole the whole <laughs> idea of marvel is the heroes with feet of clay kind of thing and you like you pointed out i like i i do think it's interesting and you know when i skimmed over the goodreads reviews of this where people would say oh there's some cool stuff in wakanda and like there's such you know great like the artist does such a great job in drawing this and whatever but you're exactly right like who cares about the little like it you know inter um uh, well, not, not even enter, but like just the different, like intercontinental, maybe. Like, you whoa, know, <laughs> wo- what Atlantis cares about Wakanda or vice yeah. versa? Like, who cares about that when the stakes are literally another earth is, is going, you know, one only one of these earths can survive, you're talking well, about a literal like genocide where you wipe out the genus of an yeah. entire, you know, <laughs> like, well, all of them, all, it's like multiple genus. And,
1: and the entire like, universe could, could just end. Right. And, and it's just, it's infuriating. Cause you get like right away, you get this interplay between everybody else in the Illuminati and Captain America. And Steve Rogers is like, you know, he's basically going, look guys, I'm not gonna be part. And then you're like, this is interesting. Like, this is, I love this because you get to see, you know, this play out. And then there's sol- there's solution to that is just knock Steve out, make sure he doesn't remember any of this, and we're just going to proceed, you know, anyway. And you're like, oh God, like I would have loved to have him, you know, split away and try to maybe stop them or find his own solution. Like, wh- yeah, show me yeah. that. Like, don't show me all I, this bullshit <laughs> with Nim- Namor and T'Challa that, like, in, uh, again, is inconsequential in the big scheme of things. Especially when T'Challa could have easily stopped all of it, and he's like, nope. I'm just going to be as dickish <laughs> as possible and not tell my sister anything and antagonize Namor. And it's like, Oh, come on, you guys.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I actually, I, I kind of, uh, uh, it got a slow clap Hickman on, uh, you know, just them knocking Captain America out because that almost it's, it's so outrageous of a, of a story conceit that it almost seems like he did that as a a parody of what marvel does yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at the beginning of civil war uh i'm pretty sure black panther and dr strange tell reed and tony like you're fucking crazy like we're not going to participate in you know in like giving our identities to the government mm-hmm. uh, you know t'challa's like i don't even live here <laughs> and <just laughs> And yeah. Doctor Strange goes to another dimension, and then so it's left to Captain America to dissent in America, you know, to be the 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 head of the resistance. Um, uh, so it's it's funny in this case that like the writer just chooses like yeah yeah he's always going to be a problem let's just knock him out
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's at the same token like you, Ch'Challa could have had he could have filled that gap and like and and what's it gets even muddier when you Black Bolt's up to something and you can't quite figure out why or what uh, and, yeah. you know that's that's a whole there's a whole thing going on in Adelan that's really interesting and you're like well this is related but what's he why is he doing that and they never really delve into it at least yet and so you're just like it's constantly it's that thing when you have to create a trade paperback volume of all these sort of interrelated but still unconnected story bits and yeah. try to craft something out of it it's uh, uh again i don't know kind of in closing i don't know how jonathan hickman can do this plus all his other stuff at the same time like just i would have to have like one of those like crazy person you know mind maps in my room just to kind of connect (laughs) all these things together just to even know what i was writing let alone that plus another series and another series and you know eight other series and jesus i don't uh,
0: yeah maybe i mean that'd be interesting to do a, a more of a um you know, biographical look at Hickman and see, did he, mo- did he get kind of sick of the Marvel titles? I was like, Oh my God, I got to move on to some creator own stuff because yeah, maybe got more interesting stories to tell.
1: Or he uh, just eat one of those things where if you're working on your own stuff, it makes it easier to work on commission, you know, more efficiently. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have that same problem.
0: Too. Well, and, uh, I, I like that you picked a Marvel title because um, as regular listeners know, last week we talked about the, there's this giant Amazon Kindle and comiXology sale on Marvel uh, tr- trades and graphic novels and- whatever we want to call them, collected volumes. And Taylor got five of them and I went crazy and got 16. And now apparently you're experimenting with the comiXology unlimited subscriptions.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Like, and let me, let me say uh, something real quick about that sale. I was doing some sleuthing around. Apparently some, some comic shop owners are very unhappy with that uh, sale because it basically is Amazon saying, well, we'll discount to, you know, 99 cents. And they can. I mean, it's, it's no different than if a retailer just, you know, took a $15 trade paperback and said, it, it's a buck. Here you go for like a week yeah. only. So it's, they're moving inventory, but they're angry because it was a digital copy. I personally don't feel any remorse, um, only because I am such a huge supporter and fan of local comic shops. Yeah. You know, I will buy as many you know, indie and cool things as possible. But at the same point, I would never have gotten those Marvel copies any other way. Right? Those, it, those
0: totally. you know... There's
1: no, there's no chance. So it's, it's, if anything, it's, it helps the cause because, and look at the titles that they selected, right? It's not like you can get the entire run of a series. It was largely meant to be sort of introductory, I think.
0: No, I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because you, we make a point in every episode to talk about, would you get this title on digital or in print? And this is, you've picked uh, a perfect case of that. Of New Avengers, you know, volume one, you, you probably weren't ever going to even give a second glance at in yeah. print, Yep. you know, yep. and, and I feel the same way about that Marvel sale. And actually the, the couple of standout titles that I was watching, like the, um, uh, the mighty Thor, the Jane Foster run and the unstoppable wasp, I still intend to pick those up in paperback, mm-hmm. but you know, at 99 cents, I was like, yeah, I'll just get that. Yeah. So, no. um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. This was that sale was just to dip your toes in. It was like the when Image Comics does the number ones for ninety nine cents, you know, just just pick them up, see what you're interested in, and then follow that. Uh,
1: yeah, and you never hear, by the way, local comic shops writing letters of of complaint to Image when they do that. You know, it's yeah. at least I never have. So it's I think there was, I think it was the fact that it was Amazon, and you know everybody's sort of ire is turned towards Amazon right now. Um, yeah, you know, and you can love them and hate them, but it's their use of comiXology should be embraced because it only just drives more readers into the format. And and honestly, if you, if you're a reader that cares and you find a, you know, if you find a digital copy that you really like, chances are you're going to buy it on physical anyway, just to have it on yeah. your shelf as yeah. you and I clearly do. So it's, I think it, all of these things work together. I think if you're a shop owner and you just do big two stuff and that's all you're basing your inventory on, you probably, need to rethink that strategy i think the shops that i mean like a great forbidden planet in portland for god's sake is almost 99 percent indie stuff yeah and it's you walk in there and it's like you just get lost because it's all these things you've never heard of before that are amazing and yeah they have some big two stuff but it's they've really gotten good at curating um all these amazing titles And i think the, the shops that do that are, are fine you know we've obviously together have gone to shops that are that are like that too so i just i think yeah you, you, you can be concerned about it and the in, in, End of the day, it's a sale for a limited time, and it you know it's pushing people into some of these titles that I think are are useful.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, totally agree, and uh, yeah, and that that idea that the indie you know the comic shops are uh, the the best ones, or at least the ones you and I like the most, are the ones that really curate their inventory, and you yeah. walk in and know you, you're going to trust the persons behind the counter, their recommendation on something. Definitely. And and that's the model that you and I have taken for coffee and comics. So what a great wrap up, you know, that's what this is, is we want to help curate uh, everything that's out there and, and point out some really great stuff and less than great stuff. So we'll see how that scale uh, balances as we dip into all these Marvel titles that we've picked up (laughs) recently. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. as we uh, go forward with all that, uh, where can people find us, Taylor?
1: Well, we are online, wherever podcasts are downloaded and consumed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast. Um, just search for coffee and comics. Um, or you can, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, usually there's a link somewhere too, but coffee and comics on those services, tell your friends, if you like the show, refer to some friends, let us know which you want to see. If there's a particular title you want us to dive into, we usually are happy to oblige. You can also find us online. Our, our network is called their network and we are find us there.org. And uh, I believe we'll have a coffee and comics website coming too at some point. So hopefully at, at some point in the near future, you see that. And that will be a place where all these wonderful things will live along with a bunch of other really great resources and things too
0: very cool i am going to get a second or third cup of coffee however we're counting Um, and until the next episode taylor thanks very much thank uh, you the listeners for joining us we will see you next week happy reading